There will always be point one. Let me just jump to this. There will always be those who will be grace killers. Paul actually speaks about spies in the camp here in Galatians 2, 2 through 5. I'll read it from the outline because I've got a boogie here. He said, and I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them were of rep- which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. Verse 3, but neither Titus who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that because of false brethren, unawares that were brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. To whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Now, the reason I'm putting this in here is you got to understand, when you begin to preach this gospel, this gospel, the way of the devil is always, he will bring in spies or people to say, that's extremism, that's too much, that's too heavy. Even the word spy, I just thought I'd put it down there, is, katos- is katoskopeo. It means to inspect insidiously, to observe secretly and with presumed evil intent. But I mean, Scripture talks about this very fact. There are spies out there that will come in to try to bring you back into bondage. They want you under law. Do you hear me? They want you under law. As long as you're under law, Galatians says you're doomed to disappointment. Next page, liberty. We're called the liberty. The Greek word for liberty is eleutheria. It means, quote, the concept of freedom is expressed as a negation of control, a negation of control or dominion. For example, where the Spirit of the Lord is present, there is no longer domination or a person is not dominated or a person does not feel under constraint. Again, you need to think about that because if you feel nothing but constraint where you go to church, you have to ask yourself questions. But I love that verse and it's 2 Corinthians 3, 17 where in the King James it just simply reads, remember where the Spirit of the Lord is? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Remember that? You know what it says in the Greek? It says where the Spirit is Lord, there is liberty. Where the Spirit is Lord, in other words, you see, the Spirit of God is everywhere, really. So when you say where the Spirit of the Lord is, well, think about it. The Spirit of God is everywhere. But it's where we allow Him to be Lord, there's going to be freedom. Because, you know, everything about God brings freedom. God is a freedom bringer. (coughs) Hallelujah. Jesus Christ said, I've come that you might have life, remember, and have it more miserably. I always say it on purpose because I'm trying to get you to smile. But he said, I've come that you might have life, have it more abundantly to the full till it overflows. Hallelujah. It's talking about abundant life, not constraint. Where there's liberty, there's going to be freedom from restraint. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there will not be a sense of domination. There'll be the opposite of that. So where the grace of God really is, there'll be this sense of freedom. Anyhow, point four, guard against extremes. Of course, like Paul said, we're not going to continue. So we have to guard against extremes. Like I said, we're to live free, but not silly. Okay. Point five, treat grace as an undeserved privilege rather than an exclusive right. 
In other words, live gratefully, not arrogantly. Don't flaunt this stuff. Again, because grace is to, it's what it should produce in you is a humility. It should provoke humility. Point six, remember that while grace came to us freely, it cost our Savior his very life. It's free to us, but it was terribly expensive to heaven. Wasn't it? Seriously, I mean, this is the basis of our found, of the whole foundation of our faith. Like I said, it, you see, we're, we're... This is why, again, Paul said it would be a horrible thing to be found frustrating the grace of God. Horrible thing. It was so expensive. It was so radical what God did to turn His back on His only begotten Son that we might be free from this sin nature that we might be transferred, translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of His dear Son. There's two ways you frustrate the grace of God. You either take it too far, like we said, and get into the license and be insane and be stupid by continuing in sin. Or another way you frustrate the grace of God is to not take advantage of what's been made available to you. Can you imagine your father or good father or mother or yourself? Imagine... If you yourself have worked and worked and worked and you take all of your savings, you take all of your worth, that which is the most valuable thing to you, as it were, and you give a gift, you take it, you buy, you know, like as a child, you buy your child a, a beautiful gift or you give this, you buy a car for somebody. Let's say you take all the money you have and you love somebody so much and you buy them a car. And uh, a... They never drive the car once. It sits in a garage and rusts to nothing. I mean, think about it. If you've, done, if, you've give, if you've given your whole life for this. So, I mean, it's not a good, you can't come up with a good analogy because God gave his only begotten son that we might have this eternal life. But think about it. If you've worked your whole life, you put everything in it and you, you offer this gift to somebody and they never take advantage of it. Never. Or they just abuse it and play with it and don't care, they never take care of it. I mean, think, think, think how that would affect you as a human being. And this is why Paul's saying it's, it's a horrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God in this area and be found frustrating the grace of God. He's paid an incredible price. So, I mean, we do have to, like the Bible says, walk circumspectly in the midst of all this, okay? Next page. I said, we're just going to smoke through this now. Lesson, good Lord, it's still on lesson seven. I don't believe it. The apostles of the Lamb and Paul were deemed great, and they witnessed, and they witnessed that all they were was due to the grace of God. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 9 through 11, For I am the least worthy of the apostles who am not fit or deserving to be called an apostle, because I once wronged and pursued and molested the church of God, oppressing it with cruelty and violence. But by the grace, the unmerited favor and blessing of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me was not found to be for nothing, fruitless and without effect. In fact, I worked harder than all of them, the apostles, though it was not really I, but the grace, the unmerited favor and blessing of God, which was with me. So whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach and this is what you believed what you adhered to, trusted in, relied on. I mean, so hear the heart. I just put this in because I want you to hear his heart. He said, I am what I am by the grace of God. 
He said, in fact, this grace, the revelation of this goodness made me work harder than all of them put together. And again, see, that's what it's intended to do. It's not intended to make you sit back, fall asleep and say, well, I can do anything I want. The revelation of God's kindness to us is meant again to initiate in us the desire to do something for heaven. Amen. Point two, God does what he does by his grace. Paul deserved, remember, the severest kind of judgment, didn't he? Because, I mean, he, remember, hailed the Christians into prison, had them put to death. This is the guy that was having all these people put to death. He deserved the severest kind of judgment, but God gave the man his grace instead. 